Hi guys, we're bringing you something uh, a little different, a little special this week. This is going to be uh, showcasing an episode of Let's Rewatch podcast on which Dave and I guested to uh, talk about the movie Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. This is a movie Dave and I had seen a long time ago, hadn't seen in a while. So according to their format, we got together with them first to talk about our memories and expectations of the film. Then we watched it again. Next week, we'll have the recording for you of what it was like to rewatch the film. We think you're really going to like it. Uh-oh, instant potato. Ashbot. Ashbot 2.0. Ashbot malfunctioning. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies that we loved in our youth and find out if they're still any good. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. And I'm Pat. <laughs> and you're drunk. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not yet. It Not takes yet. like good. three bottles of wine to get Pat drunk. I know. Drunk. It does take, I, it does, you know. Yeah, your your blood alcohol one. content is like well below 0.05 or one, 0.08. One bottle for yeah. each bicep. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. That's like eight feet tall or whatever. So, I mean, there's a, there's like a viral picture of look, look up what a can of beer looked like in his hand. It looks like a child's toy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, right? What beer? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam has one for her baby right now. She's feeding it beer currently as we speak. Please don't get CPS called on me. Yeah, as I say, we have amazing guests. I'm introduce them. <laughs> but Brett, Sam, something looks different about you too. Do you get haircuts? Yeah, we've tilted up the camera so that you can't see Sam's boobs out. <laughs> but she always has them out when we podcast. <gasps> you have a tiny human. <laughs> yeah, I do. Where did you get that tiny human? I grew it painstakingly. Yep. Sam decided to take her gardening to the next level and grow a human. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, there's a cool comic book series called Farmhand that's about a guy who figures out how to grow body parts and then they can be like transplanted onto people. Ooh. Like hands, fingers, organs. They like, grow so like plants. So there's your next career, and then, Sam. And then they like pluck the the left hands. To, is like, it is that wholesome and adorable or is it horrifying? Because it sounds horrifying. No, it's like, it's like sci-fi horror comic. Oh, it's good. Oh, goodness. It's, good. it's called Farmhand though. Very good. Very, very good. <laughs> All right. Well, Pat, Pat, um, who's joining us today? Oh, yeah. We've got two great guests. Uh, we have the hosts of the Spies Like Us podcast. We've got David and Todd. Hey, fellas. Hi. Thanks for having us on. We're really excited for this. Yeah, this should be fun. We've been emailing for like two months. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah I felt, you guys, your, your patience is otherworldly with us. I mean, just Sam us a, rudely had to have a baby and right? just throw I off the know. whole schedule. <laughs> I mean, he did show up 10 days late, so. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. We'll be scapegoating all of our absences on the baby from here on out. Yep. Look forward to it. <laughs> what did you roll for gender? <laughs> a two. <laughs> Where's the lookup table? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, baby Ellis Huxley. He's very sweet and grumpy. So, Todd and David, yeah, you came to us. You were uh, introduced to us from our mutual friend, Johnny Taylor. Woo! 
Yeah. Awesome dude. Mm-hmm. He's been really helpful to us. So Aww. do you before before we jump into the movie we're gonna watch tonight, do you wanna give us a, a little uh quick plug for your show, Spies Like Us? Yeah, we uh analyze tradecraft in spy films. Uh and we've been doing it for about a year. It's called Spies Like Us Podcast. Make sure to add the podcast if you search, because you might get the film Spies Like Us with Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find it on any of the podcast apps, or you can just go to our website, spieslikeus.net. All right. It was an exciting day for me when I checked Google search and found that we came up, I think, like 125th hit <laughs> even, even googling spies like us podcast get 124 of the movie and then there we are it's a slow climb to the top of your own name <laughs> hey, it's a lo- long way to the top if you want to rock and roll and true to form you suggested uh something of a spy movie for us to watch t- today what's that gonna be we're gonna go with uh confessions of a dangerous mind mm. which i you know i know it has to do with uh uh, a CIA assassin. I don't really recall exactly how much of a spy movie it is. Um, but we do do, you know, we, we wander off the center of the path. We don't, we don't drive straight down the middle of the road mm-hmm. when it comes to picking our movies. So I thought it would be a good one because, uh, you know, not a hundred percent sure that it's, uh, uh, got a whole lot of tradecraft to talk about. Um, which is what we like to focus on the sh- on on our show. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good pick to uh, uh, run past a fun bunch of people like you guys. So who here has seen this before? Wait, I whoa. have not. Who told you we were fun? Yeah, they're fucking liars. <laughs> by the way, yeah. I listened. I listened um, to your Muppet Muppet Christmas episode. Oh, that was a good. Okay. That was a good one. How, how'd you like that song? It finally got out of my head, and now you've made me remember it. So oh, yeah, just dubstep Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> which which of you was the one that like owns a a VHS machine specifically oh, to yeah, watch the one me. tape because mm-hmm. it's the only Ash, yeah. version that has like you know one extra scene in it or something? Yes. You can watch that scene on Disney Plus. You got to back out of the movie. Yeah, you have to leave the extras. The movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, which I, I am did. The purest. <laughs> I paused the movie, backed out when we watched it, watched the the song, the sad song, and then went back and hit re- and resumed. Um, that's like that's like people pitching VR gaming to me. They're like, "You want to play games? Except it's way harder, and there's more stuff that you have to physically wear." No, it's like I'm not going to back out of a movie while I'm watching it to watch not a different until it's part just of the a movie. contact I can put in my eye. <laughs> Brett would want a brain implant. He won't fuss mm. with contacts. He wants you to like shoot it into his brain mm. and make him a bionic gaming console. You know what shoots images into my brain already? The TV. I, it's it's already there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your eyes. But you don't control what's on the TV with your brain. <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> you know what shoots images into your brain? Your eyes. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> Ah, uh, that would be the perfect tagline for an eye doctor. You shoot images into your brain. <laughs> this is, you know, that's uh, was my number one th- thing when I was uh, looking for a life partner is someone who was always technically correct. <laughs> oh, right. It was in our wedding vows. <laughs> David and Todd, have you seen this before? I have. I think I have twice. I think well. twice, but it has been a, it has been a good long time. 
I would say, I would say 10 years at least. Uh, but yeah, if I, if, if I recall, I saw it in theaters when it came out. Oh, okay. which was 2002, which feels like so long ago. Wow. Cause it was, it was almost wow. 20 years ago, Pat. Oh God, stop it. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> um, so like Ash, Brett, Sam, have you guys seen this? No. This no. one? No. Which is surprising because I've like I've seen it physically at like places, but I've never You've seen it. You've had it projected into your brain by your <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been aware of it forever. Like I'm aware that this was a movie that exists and it had some ties to possible re- you know, reality, but yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Ties to possible and- reality? What? That'll make sense in a second. That'll make sense in a second. So I Listen, um, listener, we haven't podcast in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just warning you. <laughs> but this was movie. So yeah, O2, it came out. It was directed by, it was the di- actually the directorial debut of Mr. George Clooney. What? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It is an adaptation of a book written by Chuck Barris, who was a host of a lot of like 70s and 80s game shows, like the Gong Show was one that he hosted. Yeah, he's, right. he's um, a true he's a true impresario. Uh, he created the dating game mm-hmm. and the Gong Show. I think are his two most famous ones. But uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a big name. Was big oh, wow. name in game shows yeah. in the 70s. And then he wrote a book that was. Uh, ostensibly biographical and it claimed uh, i don't know yeah. what, do i want to spoil this or not do i say well, this or don't I mean, spoil don't spoil what the truth is we'll talk okay. about that okay. after okay. but he he called then, it an unauthorized autobiography oh like <laughs> lemony snicket or something <laughs> yeah it was adapt so he wrote the book and it was adapted for the screen by charlie kaufman who wrote the screenplay okay okay interesting so he didn't so charlie kaufman didn't write the movie he wrote the screenplay well, I do. I do feel like we Whoa. can spoil what the major claim that he makes in the book is. I just didn't want sure. to spoil whether or not it turns out to be true or not. So he claimed in this book that this whole time that he was a very famous like hosting television, dating shows, and game shows, and creating, um, which involved a lot of travel, right? Uh, yes, and a lot of access to places nor- us normies can't go. He claimed in the book that during that whole time he was living, he was also a paid, he was a CIA assassin. Wow. Wow. Wait, that, who claimed that? Chuck Barris, the guy who hosted oh. the, the gong show and, and created the dating game and was hosting these 70s and 80s like shows, talk shows, game shows. Um, he wrote a book that he claimed during that whole time he was doing assassinations for the CIA. And you know what? Uh, I'm also a firefighter. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, uh, I just haven't told anyone about it. But yeah, that, I agree, Ash. That <laughs> totally fits what my like mental canon is for the personality of a game show host. Like, I th- how do you inflated ego? Yeah, how do you pat Sajak like choose a letter and then like not go home and kill people like. <laughs> <laughs> Not go home and yeah, uh, turn into what? What's that horror movie where the dude just murders a bunch of women? I forget what it's called. American Psycho. There's a yes, lot of those. every horror movie. Well, specifically, also, also American every horror Psycho. movie. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna read some for those who. So I kind of knew that was the premise. I've never seen the movie, but I knew that. Is that so? That's news to, to the rest of you. That's yes, yes. Okay. I wanted I wanted to say that. 
I I knew that 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 was the premise, but uh, being that the script is written by Charlie Kaufman, my first thought was that you know he had just ch- taken Chuck Barris's autobiography and written this script that added in the subplot of him being a CIA assassin because that <laughs> oh. seems like that kind of mix of like um, Hollywood and yeah and, and reality and unreality and identity is like so like up Kaufman's alley mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was only after I'd seen the movie that I was really surprised that no this guy actually did write this book where he claimed that he was working for the CIA wow I'm pretty sure if you actually were an assassin for the CIA, you would not come out and write a book and, like, release your identity. (laughs) There are other people who have done that, though. Yeah, there's this guy who wrote, like, a whole book on, like, how to read body language and stuff, who used to be, like, a, a CIA interrogator or whatever. Yeah, but that's different than a CIA assassin. I mean, sure, but like, true. Just imagine, like, th- th- not every person can be like, uh, you know, I'm working for the government, doing important things. Like, some people are like, "Fuck yeah, I work for the CIA. I can't wait to tell everyone about this." <laughs> I mean, honestly, on the scale of things that I think they've done or tried, a game show host being an operative, I is not that far off. I mean. Look up M- uh, Project MK Ultra. They they did some weird fucking shit in the CIA. They they were yeah. just throwing darts and yeah. doing weird weird stuff. There is uh, there is a short Alan Dulles that and he he was like known because he was the DCI at the time or I guess it was called the director. But he did all kinds of crazy stuff. He was known for like being really creative and trying to do like he loved it. it like he. He was probably one of the many people that like really, really loved his job and was always trying to do like weird, odd, extraordinary operations. So the whole MK Ultra thing with the LSD and the prostitutes is like like one of many of his like odd ball like kind of uh, ideas. It was a Wait, very so creative. There was, was a, there was a period for the CIA where they were getting very creative. But uh, there's there's a list of covers that the CIA supposedly will never use. Uh, to my knowledge, game show host is not on that list. I like the thought of somebody working in the CIA back then and just being like, "Oh wait, well they're just they're giving out money for any project." Oh man, I bet LSD gives you mind powers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think uh, didn't didn't Clooney. Clooney was involved in in the men that's who stare at goats as well. I think. Yeah, he directed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I he's think he was it, yeah. the star. Yeah, I think he's trying to tell us something. Could you imagine <laughs> right? being murdered by Alex Trebek though? Where you're like, oh my god, Alex Trebek, <laughs> and then he pulls out a gun right? and shoots you. I mean, you did not answer in the form of a question. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. I mean, it's kind of genius. Because if you survive the assassination attempt and you go and report it, they're not going to fucking believe you. No, they're Alex not. Trebek tried to kill me. And it's like, okay, weirdo, like, get out of here. <laughs> okay. The best, the best episode ever of the X-Files, uh, someone's recounting a story about being visited by two men in black. And, and we're seeing uh, the story play out that he's telling. And the two men in black show up. And it's, uh, they're played by Alex Trebek and Jesse Ventura. And at that point, the interrogator stops him and says, wait, 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 did you say Alex Trebek? And the guy says, no, I didn't, 
I didn't say it was Alex Trebek. I said it looked like Alex Trebek. But then they cut back to the <laughs> they cut back to the story, and you're like, no, that is Alex Trebek. They got to play this guy. <laughs> That's amazing. So as far as the 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 cough the Charlie Kaufman esqueness of this, I I don't know because I got a little trivia factoid here that um so he's credited as the screenwriter for doing the screenplay. But it says uh, Kaufman felt dissatisfied with the way George Clooney treated his script. He commented, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time working on the script, but Clooney wasn't interested in the things I was interested in. I've moved on and I have no animosity towards him, but it's a film I don't really relate to. Wow. Huh. This is some heft. I think Kaufman is one of those scriptwriters that uh, hangs out like and wants to be involved during the entire process. He's not yes. the kind that just drops it off. And goes I home. mean, isn't that what adaptation is like all about? Right? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I can't imagine him having a hard time relating to the script and the story. Like, it, it's just so relatable. It's, it's the everyman's tale. <laughs> <laughs> but again, in counter to that, Clooney acknowledges he made changes because they were quote, funky scenes that would never have gotten the green light for a studio movie. Hmm. Again, I that's like every Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Where, does, well, where does this fit? Where does this fit in the, in the Kaufman uh, catalog? I, I mean, was wondering that too. Like, is we this start, like, we start with Mal- We start with Malkovich. We know that. Oh, really? Malkovich was before this. Yeah, Malkovich is the first oh. script that he writer. sold. Let's go back. Being uh, John okay. Malkovich is Charlie Kaufman? Yes. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh-oh. Yeah, that was his first. He was doing TV stuff. That was his first, like, feature written. Human what nature, do you mean, adi- uh-oh? Being John Malkovich is amazing. <laughs> Sam does not like. Right. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't realize adaptation was so early. Because that seems it like really? something. It, it's his, as a writer, it's his third feature. Oh, no. Which adaptation was before Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. So, yeah, he was yeah, already... Yeah, it was the one right before this. Oh, and wow. then Eternal Sunshine. Wait, so adaptation came out, and then they hired him to make to write this movie, and then they were like, man, there's weird scenes in here. And See, they that's, were what I, that's what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, have you... Uh, did you even watch any of my movies before <laughs> yeah, you hired right? me? <laughs> no, that was that was uh, in the early days of Google. Somebody was just like, "Who does adaptations?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's god! Good. <laughs> that's pretty exactly. good. That's, that's pretty good. Oh wow, he did an episode of Moral Oral. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised, but he's I mean, right on the Dana Carvey show. Wow. Uh, yeah, his interesting. But I'm trying to think if there's any other I got lots of trivia, but a lot of it is uh maybe post watch stuff. Uh this of course the CIA has denied that Chuck Barris ever worked for them. Right. Um Of course big, they would big, big fucking surprise there, right? <laughs> like, like, no, they're like, Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. To- yeah, for sure. Uh <laughs> normally we don't say shit about shit, but this one time we're gonna be like, Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to run down the cast for y'all. Uh, it stars Sam Rockwell as Chuck Barris. Yes. Um, yeah, this I, is I, a I, lot this, of names. This is Rockwell's breakout role as well. Is uh, it really? Mm-hmm. And, oh. Uh, Clooney, Clooney, Clooney was the one that wanted him specifically. This script actually went through a lot of hands. 
before it got made. And I don't think I made a list, but uh, Pat, did you notice like the list of names of people that had been considered? Yeah, there were. It so is a it's, funky ass list. It's huge, <laughs> and also you're right. Clooney was like Clooney was like Rockwell Clooney, or nobody. I like. Yeah, it. can we yeah, call yeah. him that from now on? What I say, Clooney. Clooney. Yeah, Clooney. it sounds like a drink. Clooney for men. Good on yes. him because yeah, because we need Rockwell. Yeah, Clooney was like Rockwell or nobody, but there were a lot of other people, the studio or other people that had it in their hands. Um, I'm looking for it. I had it here. Uh, that Richard yeah, Dreyfus is on the list. Mm-hmm. I think. Wow. Wait to play and, the same role. Yeah, yeah, yes, and, and yeah, and I think too, like some some weird name. I think maybe like Russell Crowe. Like the names make Russell no Crow, sense. Ed Norton, Kevin Spacey. Wow. Ed Norton, I can kind of maybe see. So that. white sure. guy, what, the white yeah, guys yeah. in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. actually didn't know who Rockwell was yeah. when this when I'd seen it. And then years later, when like I figured out Rockwell is like like one of the most amazing actors of all time, mm-hmm. I went through his IMDb and I was like, "Holy shit, he was that guy!" Uh-huh. Like that's but how long just, I haven't seen this. It's just yeah. like in in what universe are Richard Dreyfuss and Russell Crowe ever like up for the same role? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> they, I mean, I guess they all have like a certain like look. Yeah, like you could be any white dude face. Like, and we know who yes. they are because they're famous actors, <laughs> I mean, but like at this point, nothing, it's still not the worst. Our very recent episode we did, uh, David and Todd still has the most crazy batshit. Like you were considering this person and this person, like how, like is we did commando. Yes. The Arnold Schwarzenegger commando. And at one point, Nick Nolte was considered for the role. <laughs> what? Oh, I would take, no, I would totally take that. For commando? <laughs> yes. For commando. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I love Nick Nolte, but I, I don't know. I don't know, man. The, that part was made for just like muscle bound Schwarzenegger, right? right? I, I don't um, think I can picture. A I would love event. to see the the, the close up of his torso, his ripped torso with the Gatling gun, but it's Nolte's torso. <laughs> 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 um. So also, Drew Barrymore is in this. Michael Sarah is in oh, this. What? Oh, sorry. Michael Sarah? Michael, did you say Michael Sarah? Yes. Oh shit. Uh, he he plays also, he plays young Chuck the y- young Sam Rockwell. Um, oh oh oh! Wow. Maggie Gyllenhaal is in this. Um, Brad Pitt Maggie. and Matt Damon have cameos. Wow! This feels like Julia Roberts is. This, in this. feels like a George Clooney what? like knows a lot of people kind of cast George list. Clooney and Friends. Oh, yeah. that's yes. all of George so, Clooney's movies. It's always like. Yeah, Here's the no, posse. No. <laughs> uh, you, Brett, you are very correct because Julia Roberts and Drew Barrymore worked for scale at $250,000 as a favor to George. And Brad Pitt and Matt Damon did cameos for free. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, hey, guys, George is making his first movie. Let's show up. I mean, yeah. I would show up for George Clooney. I mean, right? I would show up for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you believe? Yeah, as the, a favor, just the generosity of them. <laughs> Julia Roberts was on set for, and this is a fact. She was on set for six days for her role. Oh, I mean, wow, she. I'd wow. work for six days for two hundred. I love how the women got the money out of the deal, and the men were like, "Yeah, I'll do it as a favor." <laughs> 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 That's funny. good for them. Also, don't forget um, that it's uh, 2002's $250,000. Right. That's true. So by today's it's like money. $4 million today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In Bitcoin. Um, Dogecoin. So, Doge. 
<laughs> Dogecoin, yeah. yeah. To the moon. <laughs> I, I I call this movie the the first the beginning of the Rutger Hauer reclamation project. Uh this this mm. is the first of, of his last few roles that he did in his life where I thought, you know, and he had been relegated to direct to video for a very long time. Uh but he mm-hmm. shows up uh in a small role in this movie, and then he shows up again in Sin City and also in Chris Nolan's Batman. And uh, oh. I was really happy to see uh, him get some actual, you know, acting opportunities uh, at the end. And I think he showed up for all of them. Well, nice. Mm-hmm. I'll look out for that. Love Rutger Hauer. Do we, why, what, yeah, when, when did he stop being mega power Hollywood? Uh, well, I don't think he was ever mega power Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, you know, like he has, <laughs> he has an enormous amount of movies that uh, are, I guess, you know, low kind of low budget sci-fi, direct to video kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, seems to be the majority of his career after Blade mm-hmm. Runner. Listen, he will mm-hmm. always have, he 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 improved one one of my top like five favorites moments cinema moments of all time. So he gets yeah, <laughs> just yeah. I guess it's he, he gets it, a pass. It, he improved that Blade Runner like speech. Yeah, the there's there's got, a few like, actors who we I guess we've had that thing with where it's just like. What do you mean they're not hugely famous? Oh, I guess it's just that one thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Blade Runner's a weird movie where like almost everyone in it is uh kind of acting at or maybe it's just the way it's edited or written, but there's a lot of actors in there that are punching way above their normal weight in the way that mm-hmm. the final product comes out. Mm-hmm. I would say that applies to Daryl Hannah, Rutger Hauer, Sean Young, and also <laughs> also the weird guy with the uh, oh. blood disease or whatever. Yeah. The, the only uh, the other thing ever, or whatever guy. Yeah, yeah. The only ever thing I ever saw him other than that was in uh, the new heart show. Mm. He's in Deadwood. He was in Deadwood as a main character, as a decently oh. main character. It goes to show what directing, good directing can do too. You know, like you would say that you professional director. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just saying like, I've seen movies with actors that I'm like, I know that these are good Sam actors. Or Ash, I think the key is the writing. Oh, <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the special effects. So this movie is um, was well-received by critics. Roger Ebert liked it. It's got like 79% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like 7 out of 10 on IMDb. From the critics, well, positive. But I want to go into the money game. Ka-ching! Money game, cha-ching. Yeah. Um, so what do we think this thing cost to make? Well, considering it got passed around. <laughs> I'm going to guess pretty it. cheap because yeah. everyone was working for free. I'm going to guess right. $17 million. Okay. 17? That, that feels low. I feel like they, That's very low. they were like, George... You can make a movie, sure. Uh, and they give him like thirty-five. I'm guessing forty before anyone else takes it. Mine. <laughs> Sorry, Todd. guess. I guess we'll let you go last. <laughs> like <laughs> assholes. Uh, I don't know that I'm pretty good at this. I, I don't know. I like the idea that they just handed him some cash. So I would say maybe thirty or thirty-five sounds good to me. You can't say thirty-five. Brett said thirty-five. Yeah. I'll, I'll say thirty. There's a lot of us okay. here today. <laughs> Dave, you got to prices right it. Yeah. 30, oh, 34.99. 34. 34. I'll prices right it because I have no fucking clue. So I'll go 34.99. <laughs> you stick with your you stick with your 30. 
30 by 30. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you did, David, because you were on the nose, $30 million. <gasps> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Total stab in the dark. <laughs> I always mm-hmm. I always found it difficult to find uh, movie budgets. I thought they're usually not. Um, it's It's on IMDb. Or box office mojo. Box office mojo is a good mojo, uh, yeah. website for him. So let's let's talk. How do you think it did? Uh, we got the USA and worldwide. When did it release in the year? When in the year? How yeah. Sam, you're gonna make me. Uh, all right, gonna make to, you do the to hosting. the Google. <laughs> I don't need Google for this. Um, Charlie Kaufman write, writes movies that people don't like until later. So. <laughs> It feels like an April movie. December, to me. Nope. December thirty first of twenty. Okay, so December it's only technically 31st? yeah, it's only technically an O two movie. It was on. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> this didn't do well then. No, I'm not predicting. Well, it's not the. It's not the, the February where movies go to die, but. And but who the fuck on New Year's Eve is going to go see a movie? A lot of people actually. The other really? 2002 movies and saying like, and and maybe they knew what was coming in 2003 and they were like, you know, if we're going to have any shot at the Oscar, this has got to be in 2002. So let's just make it happen. Let's just make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this made like 22 domestic, like didn't make its money back domestically. Total? But then like worldwide, it was in the high 60s, maybe 60, 68, 22, 68. Are, ta- are we talking opening weekend or... No, gross U.S. and cumulative oh. worldwide. I don't know. Ten What's million. <laughs> In both? Uh, domestic. I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think it... I, I, I'm pretty sure... I remember when it came out, I didn't even know about it till my mother and I visited the ancient ruins of Blockbuster and picked it up. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm pretty sure it probably did not do well, so I'm just going to say 10. Oof. Okay, I'm going to guess 68,000 total worldwide. Yeah, that, I was going to say 60,000 worldwide. Thousand? Or sorry, million. Yeah, I was quickly <laughs> losing track I'm of what are we guessing even more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll I'll pass, but I, I do, I really have to ask, like, does this include the advertising budget? I don't know. It, it's okay, the numbers okay, that are on box office. Yeah, they're, they're, and and yeah. they're all projected numbers it's because you are correct. Studios don't actually release their production budgets. Yeah. But, but it didn't come with a uh, balance sheet. My thought is <laughs> yeah. weird time of year. Uh, it came out at, at a time when uh, th- that whole thing about like giving your movie a descriptive name was like didn't return with, you know, like it has, it has a long name and it's written by you know the by Charlie Kaufman, which is he the the he's got fans, but they they rent his movies. <laughs> so that's my, that's my guess. If I'm if I'm right, then then that's why. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, then I I want to know what happened. What what was yeah. your guess? Uh, they they didn't make their money back domestically, and oh, they, and it was right. like maybe sixty five, sixty eight worldwide. You're you're partially right, Brett. Yeah, rough rough go. Only made uh, sixteen million US. Whoa! Whoa. And, uh, David was close. Barely, barely turned a profit. Thirty three million cumulative worldwide. Yeah, was uh, thirty three. Wow. wow, that's worse than yeah. I thought. And they still let George Clooney. Yo, yeah, yeah, this is George Clooney Joker. Huh? His career must have just died after that. <laughs> well, it's all Kaufman's fault, right? Like you can scapegoat anybody in Hollywood. 
Right. <laughs> uh, see, they said it made three million dollars, uh, but like, yo, just having like George Clooney here got all of these just huge name actors in involved. Like, that's why they let him keep mm-hmm. doing it. It's like, hey, just stick George Clooney somewhere, and he'll bring all of his amazing friends with him, and like, we'll turn any movie that wouldn't have made any money at all. And we don't into have to pay them. Yeah. At least the men, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, give us some trivias. I mean, a lot of stuff is after. Um, there wasn't a ton of crazy stuff. Look for uh, lots of like single takes. Um, Ooh, oneers. Yeah, a lot of oneers. And uh, I guess, oh, George Clooney's father, Nick Clooney, used to direct television game shows. Oh. He derived his experience from oh, watching them backstage. Really, as a kid. So that that's an interesting like connection for him and the story. Mm-hmm. It's actually about his dad. <laughs> Wait, does George Clooney work for the FBI? CIA. Oh, CIA. George CIA. Clooney. He made changes to make the movie more realistic. He's like, no, I know who. I know, I know how these murders actually right. went down. <laughs> uh, I got a piece of trivia. I'm not sure how super interesting it is, but uh, I read that. I read that Clooney uh, made a conscious, he made a conscious decision going in to not ask Barris if the story was true or not. So. Ooh, I I like that. I think it's a strong decision. I mean, one way or the other. Yeah. It's bold. I think that's cool. Cause then you want to, you want to believe, right? Like you, you want, like the main character believes. And so if the main character believes, it makes sense that the director needs to. Well, if. Wait, if is I that remember, the plot of if this I movie? remember right, really the movie, happen? I think, and I could be wrong about this, but in my fuzzy memory, I think the movie is a little dreamy and kind of ambiguous. Like, I think mm. you end up sitting there wondering if he's, if this is really happening or if he's having like a psychotic American psycho kind of breakdown. Mm. Oh, so yeah, it's like 2020, I, well, but I feel in a like, movie. I, I feel like a, a lot of his scenes where he's doing CIA stuff are like, there's only one other person in the room, like with him. Like, there's never a scene where mm. he like, you know, is like going to CIA headquarters and sitting at a big, in a big briefing room, you know, with a lot of people. Like, it's, it's kind of like personal and, and I don't want to say claustrophobic, but. Um, well, I'm just going to put a shot in the dark out there. Todd and I'm just gonna say because he wasn't actually right, right. But what I'm what I'm saying is I think I think uh, I think there's an ambiguity to it that Clooney wanted to consciously maintain. Is my suspicion? Mm. I like That's that. Cool. Yeah, because yeah. well, because if you know it's real, then you're making a documentary, and if you know it's fake, you're making a farce. But if you're if you don't know, then the, like what do you you know? Then you then you got you get to make up your own vision it, it takes i think it would have taken away his vision on it if he knew one way or the other yeah one of the few things i remembered about the movie uh at the very end it has the guy uh where they're like is it real and he just kind of gives a little like shit-eating giggle to the audience so it's it definitely does play to that little mysterious ambiguity kind of like what the Blair Witch Project made all of its money off of, is it real? Now, you know, type of thing. What, so, I, what I would wonder, yeah. which I don't know the answer to, is whether or not Sam Rockwell asked Barris. Uh, but I do know that he trailed hmm. Barris around for like a solid three weeks, like every day, uh, to, wow. you know, catch all his mannerisms and, and stuff. Help, to help out with the murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to help carry the bodies. I, I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. 
I did do a little more than we normally do for the show, which is the bare minimum. Um, but I, I, I was googling. I, I literally at one point googled was Chuck Barris actually a CIA assassin? And I read some interviews of people that knew him. I guess he he was very cheeky about it, where he wrote the book and put it out there. And then from that point on, one account of someone who was very close to him said anytime it was ever brought up, he would literally go, I can neither confirm nor deny. And that was his only response to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this man is really good at marketing. Because yes. who's going to buy this book? You right? know, unless... <laughs> I guess that's what you get from doing game Just shows. Just the tagline yeah. and unauthorized yeah, like, autobiography. No one wants to read my real. Yeah, like yes. he realized, like no one really wants to read an autobiography about me. So let's <laughs> spice it up. All right, yeah, it's I'm the gonna make some best money. Dad joke sort of thing. Or it's like I, I'd tell it's, you, but I have to kill you. I mean. <laughs> if it's all made up, it is. It is ingenious because, like we said earlier, like the CIA will never would never like admit it. Of course, you know. It's the type of thing. It's the type of lie you can make up, and then yeah. no one can ever. It's not prove fact you. checkable. Yeah, right? it's like what are they going to admit? They're like, yeah, totally. We totally orchestrated those those murders of human beings. Like, right? yeah, that was us. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe we did it. I mean, nowadays they totally would, but <laughs> yeah, maybe he passed it to the editor without mentioning that it was supposed to be a biography. The editor looked at it said, this is decent, but we're going to have another guy come in and like kind of punch it up, thinking that it was supposed to be a work of fiction, and then added all the CIA stuff <laughs> in it. <laughs> so so what, what do you think hilarious. was the thing in the book that made them think that he was a murderer? That was like the normal thing, you know? <laughs> the normal thing that they were like, okay, but this character is clearly a murderer, so. <laughs> well, I want to look the book up and see if it's like explicit in the book. <clears throat> It sounded like a joke when I said it earlier, but it's the game show host thing. Game show hosts are clearly murderers. Like you just right. can't you just can't I mean, look at Alex Trebek's eyes. <laughs> He's gonna fucking murder you. Black eyes. Whoa. Like a doll's eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> <sighs> so while Pat looks that up, do we wanna get into to everyone's predictions? Predictions and memories. Let's do it. Sure. Uh, one of the only other scenes I remember, uh, like, like th- there's not a whole lot I remember, but when he's being trained, there's like this drill sergeant teaching all these assassins. And he's like, you could kill a man by hitting him in the neck. And then he hits one of the guys and the guy dies. He's like, fuck. And that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that, those are the only two things I really remember from this film. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. Sorry to kill the joke, but I, I know that's the show. What do you, what do you guys remember? Well, I'm the only person. I'm the only well, other person seen that's it. seen it, and I did yeah. sit down and really kind of go into my memory palace. You know, it's a fun exercise. You know, not something I. Did you discover that you also worked in the CIA? <laughs> you can neither confirm nor deny. You're a sleeper and, agent, and I wrote down specifically like the things I remembered, like in order, and I'll. I think there's like six of them. And I will <laughs> recite them now. Stop me. Stop me when it gets boring. Uh, the very first thing I remembered <gasps> is the ending scene. The climax of the movie is um, it's a, uh, which cup is the poison in kind of lazy Susan trope kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like a, okay. a battle of wits, oh. like from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Princess yeah. Bride at the end. <laughs> uh, I remembered that. 
<laughs> um, I remembered that the most annoying guy in the movie that you would least suspect of being a secret agent uh, does turn out to be one. Oh, I think that. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Just one more, which was the gong show inspiration, which I had kind of wanted to mention when, uh, you know, you keep talking about uh, game show hosts being murderers. Uh, the scene where he, there's a scene where someone's pitching him an idea and it's a really annoying person. And the person's like rattling on and on and on. And Sa- Sam Rockwell's eyes just kind of glaze over. And then we go into, he just pulls out a gun and shoots the guy in the head. And then <laughs> wow. we snap out of it. The guy's still talking. And it's one of those things where you, you suddenly realize like, oh, that was just in his head. That didn't actually happen. But then we go further mm, into Sam Rockwell's mind and that turns out to be his inspiration for the gong show. Oh. What? Like just, you know, just <laughs> nice. pull out a gun and shoot someone. You know, they're they're annoying. They've been talking too long. I'm tired of this. Just fucking shoot them in the head. And then they go even deeper. And then there's a spinning top. Are you guys familiar with the gong show? Because it is a really old show. Some of you guys might not be. I do right. know of it. I've seen yeah. clips yeah. of it. Well, the gong show was a show where they would have uh, like different variety acts. I think they'd have, you know, some dancing, some singing, some comedy uh, and they'd have a panel of three judges that would, and they were like really bad, like um, mm-hmm. not not great content. And the, basically, the concept of the show was that three judges would try to stick through it as long as possible. But when one of them just couldn't take it anymore, they would get up from the podium, pick up a big mallet, and strike a gong, which is basically like killing the act. <laughs> That's like all of modern, uh, all of the all of the shows that mm-hmm. do that now. You know? Yeah, it was kind of kind of the first, kind of yeah. the first. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like Barris, Barris was a real uh, innovator. What's funny about the Gong Show is like Disney executives, like I, like in the Eisner days, they took that and made that a thing behind the scenes where people could would they would do like three times a year where literally like anyone who worked for the company, no matter what your role is, could pitch something. Wow. But you had like a few seconds, and if they didn't like it, they would like bang some. They would. I don't know if it was an actual gong or something. I don't know the, all the particulars, but they literally had like an internal gong show. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, who are the four people? It was uh, Michael Eisner, Roy Disney, Tom Shoemaker. Um, who was the other one? one Probably more. Jeffrey uh, Katzenberg, maybe. It was right before his time. Okay. Um, Joe McGowan, maybe? Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then people would get to pitch and then they would like, I don't know if they had a little mini gong or something like that, but they, it was literally, they would do it three times a year. It's kind of like an open door. You got a few seconds. Didn't matter what your job was. You could come in and pitch something. Wow. <laughs> they were that desperate in the eighties. I guess so. <laughs> they really yeah. were. All right. Who's, who's next on, on do predictions. predictions. Like, are we going to like, I, I'll go over. I, I, I think it's going to be fun. I think, I think cause Sam Rockwell is always uh, bringing his a game. And the fact that it was, you know, critically well received makes me think this was a, is a, is a good my having never seen it, my re- reaction is this is a good movie that just just didn't land with you know broad mass audiences. Whether marketing wasn't there or the way I mean, obviously the release, yeah, New Year's Eve, um, it just didn't take off. But I, th- I think it's going to be a, an interesting, enjoyable watch. I I want to like it, but I I'm sorry, I'm not a Kaufman fan. I what? do not like. I do, I do not, not like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless I Mind. I do like Eternal Sunshine. I do not like being John Malkovich. Um, okay. Do you like I, adaptation? 
I have not seen adaptation. You can ask her every Ooh, one. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one I. Ha- that's the one I recommend the high. The nice. highest. Okay. I agree with you on Malkovich. Really? really? Oh, I love adaptation. Uh, I can't stand adaptation. Uh, uh, just being John Malkovich, it it makes me feel icky. And yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I didn't appreciate the the feeling it left me with. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I'm I'm hoping. That's what I liked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like feeling icky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping I like this. It's a really fun concept. And I actually really like George Clooney um, as a director. So I'm going in with optimism, but trepidation. Um, I, mm. that, that's all. I don't know anything else about it. It's not your turn it. yet, Brett. I was just here to I'll back up Sam's comments <laughs> about uh, I also do not like Charlie Kaufman. But... <laughs> That's fine. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I've I've complained about this on the show before. It's a specific thing that's not Charlie Kaufman specific, but it's when you can feel how clever the writer thinks they are being at the moment. Uh, and a mm. lot of his movies have that. Like I would, I loved Eternal Sunshine, uh, and it's it's a movie I like because I saw it at an impressionable time. Uh, but I don't think I'd like it if I saw it for the first time today. Uh, and I really, yeah, like I would like it if I watched it right now, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like it if I watched it for the first time right now. Uh, but he didn't like he he didn't write this movie because it's it's a you know it's a it's based on a book with stories that someone else made up. So that's well, you know did a, write taking a movie. stance right there, are we? But he, but he didn't <laughs> write the story. He wrote how the story g- goes on the screen. I, I agree. You know? I meant the made up part where you said yeah. a story with somebody else. <laughs> uh, so, so that's a big question mark. Like it, it is the thing that I wouldn't like about Charlie Kaufman, even in this, maybe not. Uh, the other thing, George Clooney, uh, like his movies, uh, whether he's in them or, or directing them are really hit and miss because, uh, Sometimes it's like a cool movie with an all-star cast, and sometimes it's just like a fuck around with an all-star cast. And so who, I don't know what we're getting here. Um, you can take the formula, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and apply it to, you don't like Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman didn't like this film. Ergo. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Solved. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so that's... It's a real big question mark, uh, and that's unusual for me going into a movie. I, I, I feel like I have a stronger stance on if I'm going to like it or not going in, but there's too many like mixed up factors with this one, so I'm genuinely curious. So many curious. variables. Yeah. Mm. Can, I throw an- can I throw another uh, curveball in the mix here? Please. Um, uh, not to, you know, uh, go too long, but just quickly, like, do we like the Coen brothers or do we not like the Coen brothers? Yeah. They yeah. Generally, yes. Brothers. For the most part. Yeah. Okay. Uh, keep in mind, this is something I, I did catch in a review. Uh, keep in mind that Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was 2000. So that was wow. the most recent, the most recent film that Clooney had acted in that kind of inspired him to say, I want to direct was working with the Coen brothers. Interesting. So that's going to be something to look out for of, you know, whether or not we see him trying to like kind of Cohen this out. That's my favorite Coen Brothers movie, too. Me, too. So this movie is going to be, like, really dry comedy and super fucked up stuff? Uh, absolutely. Well, we already know Coen. it's super fucked up. Like, he's going <laughs> to go assassinate people. Like, I'm kind of... Su- that's the thing that 
concerns me, I think, is so I haven't seen this movie at all. I I think I've only ever heard the name of the film. I literally knew nothing about it. I didn't know that it was a Charlie Kaufman movie. I didn't know all these people were in it. I didn't know George Clooney directed it. uh, And I didn't know the plot. But now that I know the plot, I'm concerned that this movie isn't going to hold up for gun reasons. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, Like, for so, like, last night, my boyfriend and I watched Nobody, which is a brand new movie. Oh, yeah. How's Odenkirk um, doing? It was good. I would be very interested to hear your guys' opinion. I feel like it has the same problem that Boondock Saints has. Oh, okay. Where Uh-oh. I was like, this dude is murdering people because he wants to murder people. Because he enjoys it. And it is celebrated, and they are having a fucking good time doing it. And that's the line that's, like, crossed where I'm like, this doesn't feel good. The trailer gave off those vibes, too. It was like, mediocre white man has had enough. And like, (laughs) boy, that's certainly not a reality that I live in. I mean, Hollywood's going to make that movie every year, right? We got Joker, (laughs) you know, last year. But, like, the Joker's the bad guy in this movie he's the good guy and it's right. kind in his, of gross. in that movie though did you, did you see joker no Joaquin? i still he was have kind okay. of the good guy in that movie too i mean in his mind he was yeah I, yeah that movie was more about mental health than about celebrating murder and like when right. the the social um programs were shut down and he wasn't getting his meds is when he kind of started going off the rock there was a that, i think that was more social commentary more than those films we get every year where it's like one man stands up for his town kills a bunch of people you know for sure like, yeah. Uh, yeah but here's the thing those movies that you guys you guys are talking about this is different than those movies so like in in my opinion, John Wick and this movie have completely different vibes because in John Wick, he is going f- out for revenge. He doesn't want to have to engage, but he has to because these people are coming after him, you know, or in mm-hmm. other other situations. It's like, well, people are like, you know, going to kill their family. That's not the situation in this movie. Okay. Is, is that not like, the most American morality that it's mass murder is okay if it's to avenge your dog? Right. <laughs> Which is still problematic, but I'm just saying in this movie, it's not a situation where somebody came after him and he felt the need to like defend his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there there is it, a scene kind of like that, but the way it plays out, like oh. he, he's smart enough to know that it's not a situation where he needed to do something. And then he then goes out and pokes pokes the bear, basically, for lack of a better description. It's, re- it's, it's what I call revenge porn. But which, there's nothing to we, revenge. I Come really don't. You need like, to fight me, you son of a bitch. Fight me, bear. Is it one of those? There's, he's literally nothing. I, he's, not re- he's not revenging anything. He goes out. And he fucks with people that he shouldn't have fucked with because he just wants to fuck with people. Is it a, is it a, I'm tired of the things that are wrong with society, so I'm going no. to get rid of them by killing them? It's not even that? No, it's literally, oh, okay. I just haven't fucked anyone up in so long. I really want to do that. 
It's it's a it's a edge lord movie is what it is. Yes. Wow. And it's really really and then at the end it shows, you know, like him shooting people and he's having the time of his life and I was just like this is really not okay. Are we reviewing this other movie you saw? Well, but the point I'm I get where she's coming is, from on it. The point I'm yeah, making is it's not is it's I'm not too concerned. late. We could all we could all go watch that movie instead. <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm making is I'm concerned Considering, like, everything you've said about how it's some game show guy who clearly was fantasizing about this other life that he wasn't living, I'm concerned that that is the same tone that this movie is going to have. That it's, like, murdering people for fun and enjoyment and not for, like, moral reasons. You know what I mean? You're worried that it's going to be a misanthropic film. Uh-huh. You're kind of saying like, oh, this poor guy bored of his game show life has to go kill people. Yeah, I see what exactly. you mean. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, mean- it's like fantasy. You know, the same thing you were talking about earlier, Todd, where you're like, oh, this there's the scene where he gets the inspiration for the gong show because he's fantasizing about shooting someone mm-hmm. who's right, talking right, too right. long. Like, I'm really concerned this movie is not going to hold up because it's going to have shit like that where it's like, whoa. This went too far, and there, there's really no, like, pretend moral. There's not even a dead dog to make this okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, under, I totally get that, and I feel like the, the, the thing that backs that up even more is that, uh, I don't know, I was a kid when this came out, basically, and, but... It seemed like there was a time when the CIA was um, not as publicly just straight up evil as we perceive it to be these days. Uh, Mm. And that time was back then. (laughs) And like, it's even if it doesn't come across in the way that you've described, I think it'll come across in the way of like CIA really probably shouldn't be sending people around the world to kill people randomly either. Uh, so this this is all good points about the potential yeah. problematic elements and, of this film. I'm I'm very curious to know what's going to happen here. Oh, <laughs> uh, Pat is dying. No, I'm just stuck because Brett said Edge Lord, and then the phrase Edging Lord came into my mind. Like, oh. <laughs> and then I started thinking, like, wait, is an Edging Lord basically the opposite? Because an Edge Lord is trying to upset you. But an edging lord is trying to make you feel pretty good, not too good, because you don't want to go forever. over the edge. <laughs> but pretty good. <laughs> I'm glad that's what you took out of my thoughtful. <laughs> it's, uh, if you haven't watched too much of our D and D game, it's just anytime anyone says anything with edge in it, Pat just dies. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to happen a lot in a D&D game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, we fall face first into innuendo too often on that show. (laughs) Face first, huh? Yeah. I mean, I didn't say the the clip where we had to vamp (laughs) and talk about what constitutes a hot dog should be in the should be enshrined. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll cut that one out. I'll I'll tack it onto the show at the end. I'll predict that I'm going to be fairly down the middle, meh, like maybe like a six out of ten and Wait, i'm just gonna base this movie and you're <laughs> predicting I, know you. I, I know but but you want it you you know i think your rule that i heard was like something you haven't seen in 10 years 
And since I know, since, and I'm just logicking this out a bit, uh, even though, like, I know that I'm going to enjoy the cast. I know that. I know I'm going to love Rockwell. Uh, but logicking it out, if I saw it in theaters in 2002, didn't feel the need to come back to it again until sometime mm. around 2010, you know, is when I think I watched it again on video. And then it hasn't really, like, crossed my mind or been thought about by me. In but you the- did watch it again. <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> but, so maybe this is a movie that i i would like make it's possible this is a movie that i would like to see about every 10 years or so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's what that's where i logic it out to like i'm probably gonna be like a six or a seven like clearly i liked it enough to come back to it but clearly i don't love it enough to buy the dvd mm-hmm. yeah so a solid six <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I'm on board uh, with uh, Todd here that um, I think the cast is going to make me really excited. I do enjoy dark humor, but I don't remember thinking it was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. So, but I I think I'm more going to be excited to go back and one, see Sam Rockwell again. Because like I said, when I first seen it, he wasn't Sam Rockwell then. So Mm -hmm. going back and being the witness, like the beginnings of like such an amazing actor, I think... So, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I could give a, a rating number on it right now, but I, I think I'm with Todd on, I'm excited to go back and watch these actors play play these parts again, is, is what yeah, I'm looking I, forward to. I have, a feeling, I have a feeling David and I are going to really respond very similarly to this film, mm. as opposed and to I, some films I could look at and say like, oh, I'm going to love this one and Dave's going to hate it. You know, there are films like that. But I think this one is going to be, knowing Dave's tastes in film... Uh, as well as I do, I think no matter what happens, he and I are probably going to come out the other end of the tunnel, uh, you know, agreeing in full with each other. Holding hands. Just <laughs> I was, I mean, I was going to say holding hands, but I wanted to let you have the honor. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we're going to pause the recording here and go watch Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And we'll see you when we get back. And how about that? Expectations have been set. Bets have been placed. Join us next week to find out uh, how the movie lived up to our memories and expectations, which uh, if you haven't seen the movie, that's plenty of time for you to run out and uh, give it a go. But here's a little tip for you. If you have already seen the movie or if you just can't wait to hear more of Let's Rewatch, you can do that right now. You don't have to wait a week. Just go ahead and Google Let's Rewatch Podcast or search for that in your favorite podcast app and you can hear the rest of the episode right now. And the place you would want to skip ahead to just to hear the second part if you're running over there, which I, you know, it's up to you, uh, would be clearly delineated by a chapter marker that they're going to drop in there for you. So we'll either catch you guys for the second part here on the Spies Like Us channel next week, or if you, you know, couldn't wait, wouldn't blame you uh, for going over and subscribing to the very fine Let's Rewatch podcast, uh, we'll catch you back here in two weeks for some uh, tradecraft analysis of the 1960s seminal spy television show, The Man from UNCLE, a fan request, by the way. <laughs>